You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. This is your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers, and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class. Sponsored by Dext. Make the businesses you advise more productive, profitable, and powerful with better data and insights. Welcome to the Influencers in Accounting podcast with me, Rob Brown. On behalf of the Accounting Influencers Podcast Network, this is the show where we go deep with an expert that knows the accounting world. I'm thrilled to have with me today, Mr. Edward Warren. Good day, sir. Good day. How are you, Rob? We're doing splendid, Edward. Great to have you with us. For people that haven't come across you, tell us a bit about what you do, Edward. So uh, my day job, I work for Sage, which is a big accounting software firm. Um, I work with their accountants group. So there's an ERP called Sage Intact. I learned about that platform when I worked in the CPA firm world. And, you know, the world's come around about 180 degrees. And now I am working for Sage Intact helping accountants grow their outsourced accounting practices. When you look at the accounting profession right now, there's a lot going on. What kind of shape do you feel it's in, Edward? You know, it's it's interesting. I, I just listened to a segment from Alan Colton uh, from last week at a conference, a virtual conference I attended. I think the accounting firm space is, I, I think they're in a good place given what's happened over the last two years with COVID. But I, I think there's also a bit of complacency. Um, because they've weathered the storm fairly well, um, as you and pretty much everyone who'd be listening knows, um, staffing is a huge issue right now. Um, you know, people don't, especially Gen Y and Gen Z, don't place the kind of value on partnership and equity. Um, they place a lot more value on work-life balance, on giving back to their communities. So you know, it's it's going to be an interesting five to maybe 20 years as the baby boomers and, and Gen X retire and folks have to figure out how do we do this with players that have completely different values in many cases from the legacy partners. Sure. And Alan Colton, friend of the show, certainly knows what he's talking about. He's got such a a great reputation in this space. I was speaking to Ron Baker just recently for an episode that will come out. He was the uh, the architect, if you like, the grandfather of pricing and accountants value pricing. You'd be familiar with Ron's work. And he's talking about the, the shape of business models and what would accounting firms look like if they were run by Disney and the whole subscription economy and the different revenue models. And the, the game is changing for sure. Uh, tell us real quick about the vendor space. Obviously, Sage, you're a big name. There are other names in this space. That's also competitive and changing as well. What kind of shape are the vendors in right now, Edward, to serve the accounting profession? Certainly in the in the space where I'm playing, I, I think many of them doing well. You know, they're, when you look at the global accounting, whether it's CPAs or chartered accountants, um, I think the software vendors are probably changing faster than the firms are. You know, we've had cloud-based ERPs and other systems for years, but it really took a global pandemic for partners and CPA firms to figure out that people could work from home. You know, there, there's always been this notion that if I can't see them, they're not working. And with knowledge workers, if you're hiring the right people and giving them the right tools, then they can work from anywhere. So 
again, I don't I don't know the software market at a granular le granular level, but certainly there are more choices than ever for ERP solutions. If you're in the construction vertical, if you're in the nonprofit space, there's lots of stuff out there. If you're looking at uh, tax uh, and compliance software for both the tax side and the audit side, you're you're finding more and new innovative solutions. Um, I think audit's going to be really interesting in five to ten years because with blockchain and some of the technologies that are that are probably in the in the venture stage now. Um, those folks who are reliant heavily on audit um, may find that their cheese has been moved, if you will. Nice quote for the Who Moved My Cheese book uh, like that, Edward. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about pipeline today. When I talk to accountants about growth, and you talk to a lot of accountants, there's a little bit of complacency because many of the firms have grown throughout COVID almost by accident, but they've had their head down, keeping the lights on, looking after existing clients, and work seems to have come out of the woodwork if you like, there's been an increased demand for compliance and more complexity in what's going on. So is growth on the agenda for accounting firms or is it just happening anyway? I think it's happening anyway. Um, you know, with with VC and outside investors getting involved in firms, I think the, the, the focus will have to change because if somebody is going to take, you know, millions of dollars to invest in you know a top 100 CPA firm they are going to want to see recurring revenue and 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 here's where Ron Baker comes in you know um they're going to value recurring revenue not reoccurring revenue and when you look at compliance work yes you can get happen fat and happy on okay business but if, if somebody from the outside is looking at the valuation of your firm or investing in your firm, they're going to be more interested in, in consulting and recurring revenues. And that's really part of my interest in, in the accounting services world is you have a model where if you do a really good job, you could have a client for life or a client for 10 years, where in many cases, if you're doing audit work, again, compliance, um, you may be on a three or five or seven year rotation where, you know, the board says, I, I got to go to a different offer. Um, and with tax, again, it's business that can recur. But, you know, a key person leaves, you may lose that business. But if you are serving as the CFO and the accounting department and you're providing advice, that that is, I think, the pinnacle of that trusted advisor relationship that you hear accountants talk about all the time. And when accountants think about growth, this stuff coming in for sure. We've got a question whether it's the right kind of business. They tell us they're so busy, don't they, Edward? And we've got so much work to do, but then you ask them, well, is it the right kind of work and the right kind of clients and the right kind of profit margins? And if it isn't, they then come to a fork in the road where they say, okay, do we need to prune what we're doing and get rid of some clients? And, and if so, what are we going to replace them with? And this speaks to pipeline, which is a subject very close to your heart, isn't it? Well, I, I, I think part of that is, is complacency and I think part of it's fear. You know, the notion that we would, would maybe prune 10 or 20% of our book of business because it's unprofitable, because the customer is a slow pay, because the customer treats our employees like crap, you know, those are things we shouldn't and don't have to take. Again, looking at the pandemic conditions and staffing conditions, 
why would you not get rid of an unprofitable relationship and replace that client with somebody who will pay your fees, who won't force you to write down hundreds or thousands of dollars on the work you're doing, and maybe they treat your people like they want to be treated. So the value of having a pipeline becomes the ability to say no to certain prospects and the courage to prune your existing client portfolio to say, we're not going to work with you anymore. That's the value of a pipeline, isn't it? And, 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 and when you've got that pipeline, not only are you looking at new business, hopefully you're looking at the opportunity to cross sell. You know, one of the firms I worked for, you know, they didn't want to be in the business of just taking a, a tax return, even for a business owner. But if there were connecting points to wealth management, um, to um, family office, to other types of planning and other types of consulting, maybe, you know, retirement planning, um, as well as maybe spinning off a business when that when that business owner is ready to step away. That's a reason to keep a relationship because you've got essentially a multiplier effect. Maybe you've got three or four different streams of business that you're doing with them. So it's not just that corporate and individual tax return. Edward, how do you define pipeline just for those accountants that they're not comfortable with the whole marketing sales business development realm? It's a bit of a dirty area for them. They didn't sign up to a career in accounting to do this, but it's part of the mix. So get your dictionary out for us. In my mind, pipeline is both a where where am I trying to find new business, but you know, looking at where those those revenues are going to be in twelve or eighteen months, um, depending on the type of work you're seeking. And again, let's let's say we're talking about you know a ten million dollar firm. Um, hopefully, there are five or six partners and maybe some managers or directors who are serious about growing their book of business. And if that's the case, whether it's in an Excel document, whether it's in Salesforce or HubSpot, they should have, honestly, a, a list of, of prospects they're working. They should have deal values. They should have an idea of the chances to close and when it'll close. And they should be looking at that probably twice a month, maybe more often. Because, again, depending on, uh, on the niche or the service, um, there's there's business out there that I've closed in in the cash space that literally took two years. So think think about that and think about um, if if you're just starting this journey and you're not tracking any of this, it may take six months, twelve months, twenty four months for some of those things to to come home. You know, people tend in in some of the compliance areas with with tax. You know, they may get upset with their current vendor because they they have an unexpected tax bill that's six figures or five figures. So they may fire their existing accountant after after busy season. If you know that person, um, you may be on the on the short track. But um, if you're not looking and if you don't have those relationships established, they're not going to call you. So knowing who those folks are and you know who's happy in their relationship and what the opportunities are is is really key, and you know there's there's a great book by John Doerr called Measure What Matters. If growth is important, you should have a pipeline, you should measure it, and you should hold the people that are responsible for growing your practice again, the partners and and the senior folks who who maybe want to be partners accountable, and frankly 
having that pipeline and having them close business on a routine basis should be part of how they're measured. And I like your point that having a pipeline of upcoming business opportunities mitigates the risk of losing clients for things that are beyond your control often or sometimes in your control if you've not got the service or the pricing right. So in asking who should be part of the pipeline process, is it everyone's job to have a pipeline and be involved in business development? I, I think everybody should be involved. It's it's interesting because I've, I've worked in a couple of firms and it seems like the first five to 10 years of an accounting career is focused on technical skills. And I think that's really important, obviously. But what also happens if, you're, if your primary focus is on technical skills, then you've got someone you promote to manager and say, hey, now it's time for you to bring in business. Well, they've got no foundation for that. They've got literally no foundation for that. And it's like you push them from the nest and expect them to fly. So my belief, and, and again, I'm not a managing partner at a firm, but I feel like firms should put junior staff in situations, whether it's going to a chamber mixer or a networking group, fill in the blank. You know, the, the, the people who really do BD well are people who are out there. Um, they're, they're, you know, they're going to the places where they're likely to meet a potential client. If you're not doing that and you're literally waiting for the phone to ring or for someone to retire, you know, you're a great technician, but you're not the person who's going to build the book of business for the future of the firm. Yeah, that is a very reactive stance. And if you are lower down the food chain, if you like, in an accounting firm and you look up into the the higher levels of the tree, it's full of work winners. It's full of people that open doors and create revenue opportunities for the firm. So that's a skill set that you need to develop, hence this conversation about pipeline. So if we're building a pipeline, I suppose the first step is reviewing what you've got right now, some kind of benchmarking. What does that look like? So, you know, I, I think a pipeline review should focus on those people that are expected to bring in new business, but inspecting what you expect. You know, you can't just put something on, 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 on a spreadsheet and look at it meeting after meeting with no progress. So I think part of what has to happen is if, if you've got let's just say, you know, 5 million in business in 20 opportunities on your spreadsheet. A part of what you've got to do is where are you? You know, what is, what's your next objective? And again, in a pipeline setting, you might not be able to talk about all of that, but I think part of what has to happen is, is the accountability. You can't just put it on there and leave it there. When was the last time you spoke with them? What did you talk about? What, you know, how would you rate the temperature of the relationship with their incumbent vendor? Um, you know, what's going to cause them to move is, is you know, that that current incumbent failing to perform going to be the issue or are there other things? Maybe maybe you have some thought leadership in the nonprofit space and this happens to be a, a $20 million nonprofit organization. Maybe Maybe they met you because you spoke at a conference. So, you know, understanding where that is and, and making sure both the data and the information about the opportunity are fresh are, are critical. And you know what? If something's on the pipeline for six months and you don't have new data and you don't have an update, then you need to take it off your spreadsheet. And there's no shortage of software and platforms that will allow you to see your pipeline visually or on a spreadsheet. You mentioned waiting two years for a piece of business to land back in the day. How long should accountants keep opportunities in their pipelines 
in your view? I'm going to just put some arbitrary numbers out there. It's probably six to 12 months. And I, I think it's going to vary depending on the type of business you're pursuing. As, as, as we talked about earlier, you know, there, there are audits that are on rotation for three, five, seven years. You don't want to forget about those folks, but you don't want that on your pipeline because it's clutter. If you know they're going to rebid the work in, in three years, then you, you keep them on your radar, but that's not something you're going to review every other week in a pipeline meeting. Um, I, I think the key is, is understanding the, the sales cycle and setting it appropriately. I think for tax, six to 12 months. For audit, it's going to be longer. Um, for CAS, as I said, it could be, it could be multiple years, but again, don't put the clutter there, put the stuff that you expect to close in the next six, six to 12 months. And if you do that, I think that's that's the way to go. Accountants are looking after too many clients right now, most of them. So we're delivering client service, but we're not necessarily delivering client experience and really looking after those. So when we talk about a busy pipeline, you're giving an accountant more things to think about. So we come back to this idea of pruning and being a lot more discerning with who we're going after and who we're currently working with. So just define that term pruning for us, Edward. So pruning is, is really taking a, a deep look at the value of the relationship, of the, if you will, multidimensionality of a relationship um, and, and some more soft or or qualitative measures again going back to how how are they treating my client or are, i'm sorry how are they treating my team um are they are they paying their invoices on time or are they using us as 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 a bank as a lending vehicle so we're coming up with a set of criteria or questions to judge whether the juice is worth the squeeze if you like Bingo. And, you know, again, one of the things I'll say, too, is if, if if this particular relationship touches multiple service lines or multiple niches in the firm, that's going to have much greater value than just a tax client or just an audit client. Um, if the if the realization rates, if the margins aren't there, you need to take a serious look. But, hey, you know, maybe you're not making money on the tax relationship, but you have, you know, 30 million in assets under management in your financial advisory practice. Well, hey, maybe you can give the tax away for free for, for what you're making on that part of the business. But it, it has to be a serious look because if you don't, if you don't measure all of those things, then you can just go on and on with a low margin relationship where you're writing off hours and dollars every year. And in a, in, a, in a time when you are short on staff, there is a huge opportunity cost to not prune it. Because if you, if you can't get more people and you can't get new, new business without swapping out some underproducing and under target clients, then you're stuck. So I, I would much rather see folks make that conscious decision to go after higher volume, higher margin, um, folks where you can provide better client experience and frankly, where your team um, is treated with respect. I get that. And you're speaking there about who we should prune, the kind of clients we should prune. You've even given us good reasons why we should prune. It's just good management of our portfolio. Absolutely. When we mention the word prune, then people will think of a vineyard in our garden and taking the, the little shears, scissors, secateurs, whatever it is, and snip, snip, snipping away, getting rid of some stuff. 
pruning a client, is that sitting them down with a conversation, Edward? Is that sending them a letter? Is that kicking them out the back door with these grade D clients? What does that look like? It's it's an honest conversation. I mean, the, the bulk of your, your clients in a firm are going to be business owners or high net worth individuals. So they understand the value of relationships and the you know, lifetime value of a client. So, you know, sit down and have a conversation. You know, there are these factors that we need to work on. You know, we're spending, you know, 50 hours doing your work. We're only billing you for 30. So we either need to adjust our rates or we need to help you find someone else who who can take care of your work. Um, you know, it's a tough conversation to have, but um, if, if you've got... Um, a, a partner or a manager who's got the day-to-day relationship, they're probably the person to have that conversation. And oh, by the way, there's an out. The out is I'm spending 50 hours. I'm only billing for 30. If you're willing to allow me to bill for all of your time, I'm I'm happy to continue the relationship. And guess what? When given that choice, the folks who don't want to pay are going to self-select and they're going to go someplace else. And the folks who recognize that there's value in the work that you're doing for them will say, you know what? Okay, sold. It's recalibrating that relationship, resetting expectations and putting the relationship back on track. And you're right. They'll walk if they want to walk and they'll stay if they want to stay. And often accountants get so close to what they do. They call it proximity bias that they don't see how remarkable it is. So they don't charge accordingly. And accountant, accounting clients get so used to a service at a price that they don't see all the extra things accountants are doing behind the scenes so it does need some honest conversations and does it matter edward if they're in big firm small firm mid-tier firm top four pruning doesn't change from firm to firm does it it doesn't um you know obviously it's going to change from person to person with their style and their delivery but i know of top 100 firms that are doing this regularly um now um, I had a conversation with with one of the partners that I support. He's running about a million dollar firm with a small staff. He had a conversation with one of his clients. This particular client was taking more time than any other client that his team served by the by the tune of three to four x. Um, I I believe he was charging the client two thousand dollars a month. He really should have been charging between eight and ten. He sat the client down and said, we need to have a talk. We we either need to, to part ways or you need to true up your fees with us. And in this case, the client chose to leave. And because that client, again, I don't, we, we don't have the end of this story yet. Let's talk again in six months. But I believe and he believes that he'll have the capacity to take on four $2,000 a month clients or a couple of much larger clients. Um, with the time that 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 he's regained. And that's the point, isn't it? You create that space, that time, that take a breath and let's regather our resources and see what else we can go after. Because business development, building a pipeline, it's a discretionary activity. It's done after you've charged your hours and you've done all your billable fees and, and everything else. So it's done almost on the side. Nobody gets paid to build a pipeline. We get paid on the results of our networking, on the results of our referral conversations. That's when the money starts coming in. And let's touch on niching for a moment, Edwin. I know you're a big fan on niching. Uh, why is that important for accountants? In my mind, it really comes down to 
being a specialist versus being a generalist. And I, I used to use the, the medical analogy, you know, um, a general practitioner will make good money, but an anesthesiologist or a cardiologist is going to make more. Now they have more training. Um, they maybe have done fellowships and extra study before they actually take on patients, but their skill level is rewarded in terms of, of the money they make. And more importantly, you know, any surgeon could potentially do a, a, a bypass. But, you know, when, when my dad had bypass surgery, he didn't go to a general surgeon. He went to a cardiologist because he wanted somebody who knew what they were doing. And I think that analogy works in business. You know, if, if you're if you're running a nonprofit or a construction firm, you to be a trusted advisor, you have to do more than just the compliance work. Um, if you know the industry your clients are in and you know it well, and you're a thought leader and maybe you publish some books and maybe you speak at conferences, you are going to be able to command higher fees because people see you for your expertise and, and they seek you out as opposed to the other way around. And so that's where that premium comes in. But it, it comes with the cost of, of knowing the industry and being able to provide advice and, you know, the, 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 the foresight that comes with the knowledge of an industry. And that is definitely worth the premium. Edward, this is super. We're going to put your contact details in the show notes. So accountants listening that want to have a conversation with you, you're very open to that, aren't you, if they reach out? Absolutely. Absolutely. My contact information is in my LinkedIn profile. We'll put those in for sure. And uh, just leave us with some words of encouragement, if you like, for accountants out there that are uh, knowing that these are challenging, interesting times. There's a lot of opportunity, but there's also a lot of movement with clients moving from one firm to another if they're not happy and we need a pipeline. So what would you say to them in closing to get their pipeline and their pruning and their targeting all laid out? I would say the the world is your oyster. I mean, this is this is a great time to be in this profession. And if you enter it with the notion that you are going to serve a group of people and specialize in, in an industry, um, you can make that your career. Um, I, I worked with a guy um, for several years who was a specialist in private clubs. And to see this guy work a room at a conference was amazing. And that is that is available to, to every accountant out there. If, if you're willing to do the work, you can build a multi-million dollar practice in a niche and anyone can do it. You just have to you just have to invest the time and the effort and the knowledge. Well, Edward Warren, a sales and marketing expert, outsourced accounting evangelist, CPE instructor, and a general all-round expert on Pipeline. It's been great talking to you. Our listeners should also look out for another episode we're going to record with you, Edward, on uh, CAS and that whole breed of new advisors that are coming up and seeing that there is life beyond compliance in this crazy world. Thank you so much for your time and your insights today. That's been excellent. Thank you, Rob. It's been fun. I appreciate it. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. Sponsored by Advanced Track, helping you as an accountant confidently choose between outsourcing and offshoring. Thank you.